Well, greetings. Glad you're here. And we're going to settle in. We're going to talk. This is the last night uh, for our 40 days of prayer. And uh, tonight's subject's a little bit different. So, but tonight's is when God says no. Has God ever said no to you? If, he's, if he has never said no to you, I need to talk to you after church, okay? I need to find out what the secret is of God not saying no to you. Yeah. Time to time, whenever we uh, talk with God and ask him a question, he'll say no, and it, for different reasons. Um, just remember, this is a relationship. You know, I'll be open and honest with you. There's times when my wife will say no to me. I know that's hard to believe. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a nice guy, and you know, but there's times when she says no, and, uh, you know, we can't, you know, have dessert before we eat our meal, or, you know, we can't spend money on this, or we can't do that. So there's times, but it's, it's a relationship, and you have to understand, in the relationship, it's, it's time for you to get to know God, and, and God already knows you. And when you get to know God, the, the more that you know God, it's kind of, you know, kind of like the relationship with my wife. There's just certain things I know that I'm not going to ask her, you know, and uh, because I know she would say no. And so the more that I, I have a relationship with God, the easier it is for me to understand what God wants out of my life. And when you see that you have that relationship, uh, then sometimes you'll hear no less, and uh, you'll understand what God wants from your life, because that's what it's all about. So tonight, I want to talk about what happens when God says no. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time. We do pray for Pastor Mark that you would just touch him, and Father, that you would just minister to his body. We, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for us. And I pray that you would just help me tonight. Help me to, to share this message and help us to receive. Father, have a little bit more understanding about you. And Father, we give you all praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many times in the Bible, God promises to answer every one of our prayers. And in Jeremiah 33... Verse 3, it says, call to me and I will answer you. Call to me and I will answer you. God always answers, but it's not always the answer that we want. It's not always the answer that we want. He's not the genie. He's not a vending machine. He's not a sugar daddy. It's not that every time you go to him that you're going to get whatever you want. Because what happens with a child that gets everything that they want? Man, they just kind of stink because they're spoiled rotten, you know, and uh, we don't want to do that. There are four ways that God will answer, will answer. Number one, he'll say, yes, God will do what you ask. Number two, he'll say, no, will not do what you ask, and so many times we don't like that when God says no. Sometimes he'll say, wait. He'll say, wait. It might be that it's God's will, but it's not God's time. When uh, God spoke to me when I was down in uh, uh, Baton Rouge and uh, going through uh, the situation down there, God spoke to me and, and he said, you're going to leave this ministry. And uh, my next question before I said anything, I said, okay, God, when? And that answer didn't come for another month. Is in the Sunday night service. God spoke to me and he said, now 
is the time. It was God's will for me to leave, but I had to understand God's timing in that. So sometimes God will say, wait. And then lastly, God will say, grow, that you, God wants us at times to go through something before he allows his will to happen. And it's during those times, like when that situation I was just telling, there wasn't anything that I learned other than God's will and God's time. Uh, there's sometimes when we ask God, I would really like to whatever, and God says, let's work this out. You are not mature enough for that or whatever. Sometimes we'll have uh, people come in and who are single and they say, oh, I'd, I'd really like to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Well, the time now is the time for you to grow. You're single. Work on yourself. Work on your relationship with God. Grow in that. And when it is time, then God will bring the right person into your life. There's sometimes when people say, listen, I would really love to do this or I would like to have a job that does this. Well, let's work towards that. God says, okay, let's get you prepared for that. Because sometimes whenever we get things and we ask for things and they come, we're not ready for it. We're not ready for it. So this past week, they just revealed that the person who or group that won the $1.5 billion lottery came forward. They don't know who it is. They remain anonymous. Their, their take-home, they decided to, to uh, which is, that's just, for, I, for me, maybe not for you, that's just an unbelievable number. They have $1.5 billion. Can you imagine that? So they decided to take the one lump sum, 878 million, which is still an unbelievable number to me. And if you take out the taxes, which they will probably, you know, probably close to half or, you know, they're still going to have like 500 million. They're half a billionaire. That's an unbelievable number. Do you think that they're really, really ready now? The, the ticket was purchased back in September, October. I can't remember when. And uh, it could be that they did everything to prepare for that. It is said that people who win the lottery, half of them in three to five years will be bankrupt. Do you know why? They're not prepared to deal with that much money. They're not prepared to deal with that much money. Listen, you give it to me, I'm prepared. <laughs> I'll take you all out to eat once. And then that's it. I will invest it and live off the interest. Okay? The Bible is full of examples where God has said no to people in prayer. To Abraham, to Moses, David, Job, Jonah, Paul. Even Jesus had answers of no from God the Father. We need to deal with those times when God says no. It can be confusing. If God is a loving, all-powerful God, why would he say no to his kids? Why is my request denied? It can be frustrating. Why? Why can't I? Why not? Why, 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 why? We become like five-year-olds. Why do some miracles, why do some get miracles and others don't? Why do some get well and others die? Why do some get relief from pain and others don't? Why does it seem like the wicked, the non-Christian, 
gets blessed by whatever, and I keep asking God for the little things, and it doesn't happen. Why does God sometimes say yes and other times he says no? When you think about it, there are some obvious reasons why God doesn't answer every prayer with yes. Why he doesn't answer every prayer with yes. Number one, some prayers conflict with other prayers. Both cannot be answered at the same time. There's a child who wants to uh, stay home from school, which my son is good about asking God for. Will you make it snow afoot so I don't have to go to school tomorrow? Then there's other people who are praying, God, we really need a nice day, you know, so that we can get this done at work. You see, also my son, and so he used to do this, God, I pray that you would help us to win our basketball game tonight. Now, you don't think there's somebody on the other team praying the same thing? So what's God going to do? Come on, one of you's going to lose. God, would you put this Democrat as president of the United States? God, will you put this Republican in? One of you's going to lose. Yes, there's sometimes when God just says no. There's some obvious reasons. Sometimes we pray opposing prayers. Number two, some prayers would require God to take someone's free will from them and their choice, and God won't do that. What if someone was praying, I'm praying that God will force you to marry me. God's not going to do that. He's not going to force somebody to marry you. God, I really want them to marry me. Well, they have a free choice to, you know, make that decision. And if you're really praying that, hopefully they're wise enough to know and I'd be taken off out the back door. Some might have prayed for their spouse that they would stay in a marriage. Again, God will not force anybody. Can't force someone to fall in love. Can't force someone to stay in love. But here's the thing that you can do. You can pray, and this is when you have a relationship with God that you understand prayer, that you, you can say, God, I pray that you would just put Christians in their life to help them. Or God, put somebody in their pathway that would speak to their heart about this. Or God, help them that their eyes are open to see what they're doing in this situation. Those are things that God can help and God will do. But to force people into doing things, God won't do that. God doesn't force you to always do what is right. We have a free will. You ever think about that? Has God ever told you that he would like for you to do something and you didn't do it? He didn't force you. I know there's times when God has spoken to me and spoken to my heart and told me that I need to go and witness to somebody. And there's been times when God has told me to maybe give some money in an offering, and I just haven't done it. It's not like God sticks my hand in my pocket and I throw it. No. Now, I will be honest with you. There has been times when God has been very encouraging, very, very, very strong. There was one time years ago we used to have prayer um, on Saturday nights, and uh, 
those used to be really powerful prayer meetings every Saturday night, and we'd have 300, 400 people come on a Saturday night and pray over at Jefferson. And I remember one night after a prayer service, I was in the back by one of the doors, and um, God was speaking to, me, speaking to me, and he wanted me to spend some more time with him. And uh, I really wanted to go out and get pizza, um, just being honest with you. And as I'm walking down the aisle, I remember my sister, my younger sister, was standing down at the, at the end of the aisle. And I'm kind of walking towards her, and it seemed like every time I picked my foot up, it was getting harder, like I was wearing cement boots. And finally, I realized that God was trying to get my attention. And so I ended up, I turned around. I never did come down to where my sister was, and I went up into the balcony and for about 45 minutes spent some more time praying and seeking God. One of the, the, the first times that I really had a, um, an experience with God that was really that deep, I went up and I just I bawled uh, out to God, and he spoke to me during that time, and, and um, it was really good for me. I could, I could have kept on going. God was encouraging me, and he has his ways of encouraging us at times, sometimes sending somebody else our way to speak into that. When um, I was called into the ministry, and um, I was working at a, a business, and the guy came in <clears throat> that day, and uh, that was the owner, and he, he said, in a month I'm going to have to let you go. I'm selling this business. And, uh, and I knew that God had called me into the ministry, and my mom had asked, you know, do you think that you should go to Bible college? And I said, no, don't like school, don't like college. And I had already been. And, and um, so I went home that day, and the guy across the hall from me, he was a Mennonite. Didn't really know him real well other than I knew he was a Mennonite. He worked for the state. He came in on Mondays. He left Thursdays because he lived somewhere else. And he's standing outside his um, door his apartment, when I got home, he goes, hey, how are you doing? I said, fine, how are you? And he said, fine. And he goes, how's work going? I think that was probably the longest conversation that he and I had ever had at this point. And I said, well, I just found that today I'm going to lose my job in a, in a month. He goes, come in, come in, come in, come in. Never been in his apartment. He goes, I, I think I know what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I'm like, here's a guy who really doesn't know me. He's going to prophesy over my life. He goes, I've watched you. And he goes, you go to church all the time, which I did. I was always church, prison ministry. I was going here, going there. He said, I think you need to go to Bible college. Okay. So then later that night, I called my parents, and, and I was talking to my mom. And I said, well, I'm gonna, I found out today I'm going to lose my job in a month. She goes, I know what you're supposed to do. I said, what's that? She goes, I'll tell you when we get home, because they were out in Ohio. I said, no, you'll tell me before you get off the phone. <clears throat> she goes, I think you're to go to Bible college. Okay. God was encouraging me to do what he wanted me to do. I didn't have to do it. He wasn't forcing me. He was encouraging me. He was helping, along, helping me along the way. So sometimes when he says things to us, he does help and he does encouraging things to help us, but he will never force us. He will never force us. Number three, praying for someone sick to stay alive will not always get a yes. 
because we aren't meant to live on this earth forever. I've seen this a lot of times, going up to the hospital all the time and seeing people praying for somebody to stay alive. And, you know, I've seen it at times when the person is, you know, 98 years old. You know, they've lived a good long life. It's time to let them go. I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that in a heartless way. Um, I have also seen, there was one time where I saw a young man who came in, his grandfather was about ready to pass, and he prayed. He goes, God, don't take him from me. And then I found out from the family that this young man hadn't seen his grandfather. He lived in the same city, hadn't seen his grandfather for about a year and a half. He didn't come and visit him, so why are you asking for him to stay alive? Sometimes we, we need to look at the prayers that we're praying. If faith was the only factor, some people would never die. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, Inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. We're all going to pass. We're only promised 127 years, and that's it. And that is it. Number four, many times the no answer comes, and it's unexplainable. It makes no sense, and in fact, sometimes it's tragic. We don't understand why God would say no to us. That's one of the greatest tests of your faith. Do you trust God during those times? Do you believe that he knows best? We don't always know why things are the way they are and the way that they happen. But God does, and we have to trust him. Are you in this relationship with him or you're not in this relationship with him? It's kind of like God looking at 30,000 feet. He can see all of this. One of the greatest things I, I love to see is when the, the, the astronauts are out at the um, space shuttle or they, the, the, and they look down at the world. That is amazing. The only thing I can see is what's in this room. And I can't even see everything in this room at the same time. But God can. And we have to trust him. Sometimes it's a tragic accident. And why does this take place? An unexpected death. Dashed dream. An unfulfilled longing. A denied request. Sometimes no comes. That's when a no is heartbreaking and it feels unbearable. When you don't know why God said no, why God has given this answer. So today, let me give you a few reasons why God might say no. And then secondly, what to do when God does say no. There's a hundred or there's a thousand good reasons for God to say no. Before I share three possibilities, let me give you a caution, though. Sometimes when somebody comes to you and they say, God said no to me, or they tell you this is what's going on, be very careful. We don't always know what God is trying to do in another person's life. We don't always know what God's trying to do. And we try to explain it away. Oh, well, but if you would do this and you would do that, you know, you have sin in your life, and that is why this has happened. No, we don't understand those things. When somebody comes to us, it's up to us to pray and ask God for discernment, for discernment. The other day we were praying for somebody in the office and 
while we were praying, God gave me a scripture for them. And then after he gave it to me, after we got done praying, um, I went to him and I said, this is the scripture that God had given to me. I don't understand it. I understand the first part of it. I don't understand the second part of it. But it was for them to stand firm. That was part of the scripture. And I said, that's what God really wants you to understand. They were going through a situation and still are. And God wants you to just stand firm, stand firm in him and to understand that. I, I wasn't going to explain it. There's been times when God has given me words for people. I don't try and interpret it. There has been times when God has given me words for people or shown me things, and I, he does give me the interpretation of that. But I'm not going to try and, and figure those things out. Years ago, there was a, a, a well-known minister. You probably didn't know who he was, but well-known in the circles that he traveled in. And God gave me a vision for him. And when he gave me the vision, it's, it really kind of scared me. I respected this man. And the vision wasn't very good. And uh, so I, I kind of sat on it for about a month. I called my parents because they were working with this ministry. And I said, this is, God gave me a vision for them also. Their part was to move away from this, this ministry. That they were, they were like sheep and they were to find another field to go into. And he showed me that. His part was that God had showed me and it was just, I don't, this hasn't happened very often, but he showed me this man, and he was in this maze, and I was kind of looking down like I am right now, and I could see the, the walls and everything. And he's in the middle of this, and he's kind of walking through to find his way out. And it was kind of like if he didn't change, he was going blind. It's hard enough to get through a maze when you can see, like I've been to this corner, I've seen this wall, I think I've gone this way. When you're blind, you'll never get out. And uh, if he decided to change, I saw this big hand come and take him out. And if he didn't change, then he was going to be stuck in there. And um, so I sat on it for about a month, and I prayed about it. And like I said, he, this man traveled the world and spoke and did different things. Finally, one day I called him. And I said, Roland, I said, God's given me a vision. He said, by all means, share it. I was like, well, he's pretty excited about this. I said, it, it, I, th I thought it's not good. I said, Roland, I said, this is what God showed me. And I, I just explained what I explained to you. And he goes, well, thank you very much. He goes, I really appreciate that. And I said, I don't know what that means, though I had some inclination. There were some things going on in his ministry that needed to be changed. And if he didn't change those things, he was going to lose his ministry. And uh, he said there's been some other people who have spoken to him. And it was probably about a month or two later, he had a massive stroke. And he tried to come back to his ministry. He didn't change things. And in about another three or four months, he didn't have his ministry. And uh, he just, he didn't heed the warning. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not, it has nothing to do with me. Or I'm not patting myself on the back. I didn't understand all that God was trying to do, but I kind of had some, but I wasn't going to tell him, Roland, you need to change, you need to turn, you need to repent, you need to, God has told me what you're seeing. He didn't, God didn't tell me what the problem was. He just gave me the vision and said I needed to share that with him. So we have to be very careful uh, whenever we're dealing with other people and other people come to us and they say that this is why God 
has told me no. Never presume to know why God did something unless he tells you. God is probably working out his will in their life, and he's helping them to get to where they need to go. God is working his will in everyone's life in here even. And sometimes we'll find it's, it's all a little different. So be careful how God speaks a no to someone else. You know the story about Job. He had three friends, lovely guys, and they came. For seven days they sat there with him. That's what Job needed. And then they started speaking into his life. And you know the story that they started off and they started sharing different reasons why he was going through this and explaining away his pain. And they got it all wrong. In Job chapter 42, verse 7, it says, God was saying to Job's three friends, I am angry with you, for you have not been right in what you said about me. My servant Job is the only one who spoke the truth and got it right. And got it right. You're on thin ice when you try to explain what God is trying to do in somebody else's life or even try to explain some of the things that take place. I've heard it said, whenever we get hurricanes, God's judgment is in that hurricane. Be very careful about those things. If somebody has a, a, a sin or has a, a sickness, um, and sometimes I've heard people say, it's because of the sin in your life that you are sick. Be very careful about those things. Be very careful. Three of the many reasons why God says no. Number one, God says no when he has a bigger, because he has a bigger perspective. God has a bigger perspective. God sees the whole picture and we don't. And we don't understand that. He has a wider view. He has a, we have a limited perspective. We cannot see into the future. I wish I could, but we do not. And if God has created us, he has sustained us, he helps us each and every day to breathe, to blink our eyes, to walk and do all those things, don't you think that God does have your best interest at heart, especially us who have a relationship with him? And it's about having a close relationship. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, he knows about every, everyone everywhere. Everything about us is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from him. Nothing can be hidden from him. He has a better perspective. One problem with our limited perspective, we can't see the unattended, unintended consequences of our request. I could pray, God, I want more money. Oh, help me win the lottery. What's the, what did I just tell you? Half of people who win the lottery in three to five years will be bankrupt. So your chances are 50-50. Best thing to do is not play the lottery. But if you do, please tithe, okay? Please tithe. Please, if you win. If you win. Sometimes you say, I want to get out of this situation or this problem. I'm tired of dealing with whatever it is. There's people who will go into the hospital and they'll ask why. I, and I, my answer is always the same. God's trying to talk to you. He's trying to, trying to get you to understand something right now. He really is. Whenever you're going through a situation, a problem, a heartache, a, a headache, a tragedy, God is trying to speak to you. And we should learn through those times. 
Those are there for growing. Those are there for learning. Those are there for us to draw closer to God because he takes you through that because he's getting you ready for something else. And the thing is, is if you're not in a tragedy right now, there's one coming around the corner because that's how a lot of times we learn. That's how we learn so many times. If you could see your life the way God does, would your prayers be different? Yep. Would it solve many of your problems? Yep. You'd never have unexpected problems. You would know which highways or which streets to go down to get to work in the morning. I know where all the traffic is. I don't have to pray anymore. You would know where all the bugs are, the germs, and you would stay away from all those things. I'm sorry, that's not the way that God operates. Unfortunately, we are on a as-no basis with God. So question, do you give your kids everything that they ask for? No. Nobody answered that question. No, we don't do that. Why not? Because we are mature adults and we have a bigger perspective of that. When I ask God for something, there's no way I can imagine all the things that are set into motion, everything that's taking place, and what God has for my future. Every answered prayer sets off an entire chain that gets you to where God wants you to be if you're walking in his will. And sometimes the decision that I make affects other people. It affects other people. We have to remember that. Sometimes God says no to protect you from unseen problems. In Psalms, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 8, God guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. He guards and he protects. So many times we want to touch the stove. So many times we want to jump off the garage with the umbrella because we think we can fly. Come on, you've watched the videos, haven't you? It still doesn't work no matter how many times you try it. Daniel prayed, God, keep me from the lion's den. God allowed him to be tossed in, but he shut the lion's mouth. The three Hebrew children prayed, God, keep us from the fiery furnace, but God, through it all, was with them when they were in the fiery furnace. Paul the apostle, he, his prayer was go to Rome. I want to go to Rome and preach the gospel. God gave Paul that prayer but it came in an unexpected way. He went in chains. He ends up going to prison, but one of the greatest things happened is Paul is able to write some of the books that we see in the New Testament. Aren't you thankful for that? It wasn't what Paul prayed. He goes, I want to pray, I want to go, and I want to witness, I want to be, you know, his word, and I want to do all these things, and he goes, but not the way that he thought he would go. God kind of said no. God has a bigger perspective, much larger impact, much greater perspective. Number two, God says no when he has a better plan. God says no when he has a better plan. 
Often God wants to fulfill your desire, but in a different way. In a different way. That's what Paul, right there. In his infinite wisdom, God will always have a better idea. Isaiah 55, it says, God, this plan is mine and is not what you work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours, for my ways are higher than yours. My ways are higher than yours. God has more than one way of doing things, unlike you. His options are unlimited. Ours are so many times just a few. If you're in deep debt, financially stressed, you would say, oh, God, bring the money in or help me do this. And, and there's something that maybe God will take you through. God will show you a way that you can do that. And really, there's two ways. Either increase your income or decrease your expenses. But how do you do that? How do you do that? Another problem, we want God to answer in a preferred way. We want to prescribe not what, but how he answers. Of course, we always want the easy way out, don't we? That's the way that we are. But God has the best way for us. That way, the way that uh, grows your faith sometimes requires a delayed answer. And remember, a delayed answer is not a denial. Maturity is knowing. No and not yet. Many heroes with the greatest faith did not receive their answer. They prayed and they prayed. They wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to see what God had. And we can see in Hebrews chapter 11, these were commanded for, commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised. God had planned something better. God had a better plan for them. God has all of, the, all of eternity to fulfill his promises. So looking back at my life, I'm grateful for sometimes God said no to me. God said no for me to go back to Pittsburgh and finish my college education. I'd just gotten saved. God said no to me at times when I wanted to leave ministries. God said no to me when I asked for my grandfather to be back because he was a minister and would have helped me. I'm grateful when God says no to us and then we find out later what it's all about when we see the big picture of what God's trying to do in our life. Stop praying, God bless my plans. And start praying, God, I want your plans for my life. For my life. Number three, God says no when he has a greater purpose, when he has a greater purpose for your life. God will never let your prayer interfere with your purpose. In Psalms chapter 57, verse 2, I cry out to the most holy God, I'm sorry, I cry out to God most high who fulfills his purpose for me. Just remember, God is not obligated to explain why. We're just supposed to walk in it. He doesn't need our approval for his answer. And lots of times he doesn't check with me to say, is this okay, Paul, if I do this in your life? It just doesn't work that way. But everything God allows in your life, he does it for a purpose, including the problems and the unanswered prayers that we have in our life. Remember Rick Warren's book? We, we studied it years ago, The, the Purpose-Driven Life. What's the first sentence of that book? 
It is not about you. It's about God. And that's what the whole book was about. For us to put self aside, I said that a couple of weeks ago when I was teaching. It's not about us. It's about God. God's purpose is for us to show God to the world. And when you become a Christian, you're no longer your own. What's your purpose? Your purpose is to reveal God to the rest of the world. That's our purpose. So are you fulfilling that purpose or are you living for self? Are you fulfilling that purpose or living for self? We need to understand that. In 1 Peter 1.7, the purpose of these troubles is to test your faith as fire tests how genuine gold is. Your faith is more precious than gold. Anytime you feel discouraged, remind yourself, God has a greater purpose for my life, for my life. In 2 Corinthians 4, these present troubles are quite small and won't last very long, yet they will produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. Have you ever gone through a situation and, and when you get done with that situation, a trouble or whatever, aren't you glad you look back and see, oh, I understand. My mom used to say, and I think I shared this two weeks ago, that if you don't learn what God is trying to take you through, then he's going to take you through it again. No thank you. Let's learn it right now. If you want to be happy, you must learn to accept three facts of life. Number one, there are some things we don't understand, we will not understand until heaven. In Deuteronomy, it says, there are some things the Lord our God has kept secret, but there are some things he has let us know. Ecclesiastes 11, it says, Just as you'll never understand how the mystery of life forms in a pregnant woman, so you'll never understand the mystery at work in all that God does. God understands it. All we have to do is just keep walking through this life. Just understand that God knows and he wants the best for us. And are we fulfilling the purpose that God has for us? And sometimes when we ask, we, and we get a no. Because he's trying to help us. It could be that that no turns into a yes later. Number two, there are some things that will never change until heaven. Permanent problems in a, in a broken word, world. Read the Bible and see that there will be things that are yet to come. There's things that are yet to come. Things that are going to get worse to bring in the Antichrist. Read the Bible. Read the back of the book. You will see. If you look at life, we used to carry money around. Now we carry credit cards around. Pretty soon we'll be, people will be, you know, putting chips, which they are doing right now, putting chips in people. And it's all getting, you know, for the Antichrist. Yes, we can have a great life. We can enjoy life. We can have blessings in life and all these things. But just look, it's getting closer to the end. When one day, 
It's going to be a shout of the archangel. There's going to be a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then after that, we who are still alive will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let it happen tonight. Let it happen tonight. There are some things that will never happen, that will never change until heaven, until heaven. Number three, sometimes your suffering is for the benefit of others. Uh-oh. Sometimes your suffering is for the benefit of others. God even allowed his own son to suffer for the benefit of others. Let me give you the best illustration right there. He died so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Aren't you glad for that? Yes. Sometimes God allows you to suffer for the benefit of others. I tell people all the time, um, especially with the loss of a loved one, and I've never had anybody come back and tell me that I wasn't correct in this, that somebody's going through cancer or something major like that. God is working out his will in your life. Number two, God is wanting you to tell this to other people. Number three, God wants them to understand and see God. And that's in, in the tragedies of life. That's also in the problems of life. So I, I deal with people and, and situations and problems. And, and uh, let's, I'll just take a situation that you don't know about. Um, but somebody was addicted to, you know, pornography, and it got really bad and everything. And I've told them, I said, one of these days, God's going to use this. God's going to use this for his glory. You know, for them, and even for our thinking, I want to keep that quiet. I want to keep that a secret. I'm going to put that up on a shelf. I don't want anybody to read that book. But the thing is that there's other people out there who are dealing with the same problem, and they have become an overcomer. And in that, they can say, with God's help, I, whatever it happens to be, with God's help, I overcame a divorce. With God's help, I went through cancer. With God's help, I was able to get my finances back in order. With God's help, I overcame an addiction to pornography. With God's help. Sometimes the things that we go through are for the benefit of others. For the benefit of others. What should I do when God says no? Number one, trust that God does everything in goodness and love. <clears throat> in Psalm chapter 25, all the ways of the Lord are loving. All the ways. Romans chapter 8, in everything God works for the good of those who love him. Anytime God says no, Satan will always throw doubt in there. The devil is a liar, and when God says no, don't let the devil take that and run with it. Just understand God has said no. We might not understand the why. But then the devil come in and say, well, you're not worthy of that. Well, you don't deserve that. Well, you're not good enough for that. Who do you think that you are? See, God told you no. You're not his child. And so don't let the devil take that and run with it whenever we hear 
and no. Do you remember when you asked for a cookie before dinner and mom said no? Hopefully she said no. You would be like, mom, doesn't like me. That's the, that's the devil just telling you, really? No, she sees the big picture. It's going to ruin your dinner. But mom doesn't think that I can handle it. Mom sees the big picture. Just trust mom. The devil comes along and he'll whisper those things in your ear when, it, when God has said no. Don't let the devil win. The truth is that God loves you too much to give you everything you ask for because you become a spoiled kid. So we have, so you have three options to respond to God. Number one, you can resist it. You can fight God. Get mad at him. Tell him. Scream. Rant. Throw yourself on the ground. Scream. Kick. Walk away from God. That's one of the responses that you can have. And I would tell you not to do that. Number two, to resent it. To become bitter, miserable. Doubt God's love. Leave the church. I've seen people who have done this because God told them no. Or number three, relax, knowing that God has your best interest at heart and he loves you with all of his. He loves you with all of his. When in pain, as I was talking about, pray what Jesus Christ prayed facing the cross. This is great. In Mark chapter 14, it says, going a little further, Jesus fell to the ground praying that, if possible, he would not have to suffer what was ahead for him. Jesus prayed, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Please take this cup from suffering, of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will, not mine, to be done. What answer did Jesus get? No. He had to drink that cup of suffering. He had to go to that cross. He understood what was about to happen to him. And he said, if there's any other way, let it happen. He didn't want to have to go through that, the pain of that. The right way to pray, pray number one, affirm God's power. Father, I know that you can do anything. That's what Jesus prayed. Number two, ask with passion. Father, please give me what I ask. We should ask him. We should do it with passion. Number three, accept God's plan. However, I want most of all your will, not mine, to be done in this life. Remember the story of Abraham and him bargaining for Lot? God, if there be 50 righteous in Sodom, will you destroy it? God, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. And what happened? And, and really, Abraham, I, I think in that story, this is my own interpretation, I think Abraham was thinking, okay, if there's 10 righteous, then God won't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? It was destroyed. But God sent an angel to take Lot and his family away. God's ways are higher than our ways. He knows what he's doing. We just have to trust him. Number three, expect God to give his grace to handle his answer. Expect God to give his grace 
to handle his answer. Grace is God's power to handle pain and to do what's right. Paul the Apostle wrote in 2 Corinthians, Corinthians, three times I prayed to the Lord about this and asked him to take it away, but his answer was, my grace is sufficient for you. Is all that you need. For my power's greatest when you are weak, so I gladly boast about my weakness, so that Christ's power can flow through me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let me kind of finish with a story. And I don't think that I've ever shared this story. <clears throat> I know I have with some people. But years ago, one of the worst nights of ministry for me is when I was in Columbia, Missouri, and the church was splitting. And uh, we were going through a rough time, the pastor and I, and I'd already been accused. I'd had 13 accusations against me in the church. And uh, the pastor called me over after a deacon meeting, and uh, he called me into his office, and he said, Paul, he goes, you have one more accusation against you. And he got into the accusation, and this one I could have lost my credentials over. I could have lost my credentials if it was true. And um, so he said, you need to answer for this. And I said, Pastor, if I haven't learned anything from you, I've learned this. Face your accuser. I said, bring the person in. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know the situation that you're talking about. That night, I went for a walk. And I thought back that um, he, the pastor lived next door to church. I lived next door to him. And the, the community that we were living in was kind of starting to go downhill. I, and I thought to myself, it would have been better for me that night to tape $100 bills on me, uh, you know, on my outfit, and walk up and down those streets than what I was feeling. I thought getting beat up and having, you know, $100 bills taken off me would be, feel better than what I was feeling and what they were doing. And I told God, I said, God, I'm out of here. I said, these people are mean, they're cruel, they're hateful. They've done these things to the pastor and I. They had threatened the pastor's kids' lives. I mean, that's how bad it got. I said, I'm out of here. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit tomorrow. And I kept walking, and God said, no. I have you right where I want you. We had a little conversation after that, yes. I don't think you got that right, God. <laughs> I'm out of here. And he said, no, I have you right where I... And those were the words, those are the exact words he said, I, I have you right where I want you. For the next 30 days, I had dry heaves every morning before I went to work. I just, I couldn't walk into that building. That was the worst night of ministry I've ever had. So let me tell you about the, nice, the greatest night of ministry that I ever had. So pastor called me over to his office because he had just had a deacon meeting. You know where I'm going? And he told me that I had another accusation against me. I didn't see it at the time, and I didn't like it at the time. I didn't like that I was going through this, and, and uh, it was really hard. And I asked the pastor, is this information going to get out in the church. He, he said, honestly, I don't know. And um, it never did, thankfully. It was never brought up again. But that was also the greatest night of ministry that I've ever had. 
you can say whatever you want against me. You can accuse me. You can, at that church, I had my life threatened also. You can do whatever you want to me. As long as I know that I'm right with God, I don't care. I don't care. Because that night when God said, no, I have you right where I want you. I didn't like that answer. I really didn't. I didn't know what God was trying to do. I do now. That I can face whatever. And, the, and I've told people, the only thing that's going to get me out of ministry is me. And I'm not planning to do that. As long as I'm walking with God, everything will be okay. So what have you prayed for? And as far, and so far it hasn't happened. Remember, God has a bigger perspective, maybe protecting you from an unseen whatever it happens to be. God has a bigger plan. The story has yet, hasn't yet ended. God has a greater purpose. Right now, he's working on you. And he will give you the grace and the power to handle the situation. God will never leave us or forsake us. In Psalms chapter 9, verse 10, those who know you, Lord, will trust you. You do not abandon anyone who comes unto you. Lastly, if you don't trust God when he says no, it really means, I'm sorry, it means you really don't know him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this night. Thank you for the no's that we get in our lives. We don't like it. But, Father, it's a growing process. It's a learning process. It's a commitment process. It's a faith process. Father, it's a, a grace process. And I pray that you would just help us because each and every one of us has heard no. And, Father, sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes we understand we don't like it. But, Father, I pray that you would just help us to draw closer to you as we come to the end of this 40 days of prayer and learning. I pray that you have helped us to grow in you, to learn. And, Father, to see that sometimes a no is one of the greatest things we can ever hear. Father, I, I pray that you would help us in our prayer life to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. Let's come around the altar as pastor has done. Just come down around the altar real quick before you go. Do you love God? You know he loves you. He really wants the best for you. And sometimes when we ask a cookie before dinner, you might hear a no. God, I really want this job. And God protects you from it. God, I really need this. And he says, maybe later when you have some more understanding. But God knows and he understands. Amen. Do you believe that? Do you know that he cares enough for you to say no? To say no. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my friends. But more than all, we thank you 
that you minister to us in so many different ways. Sometimes we have to go into the hospital. Sometimes we have to go through a situation or a problem. Sometimes we have to go through heartache, headache. Father, sometimes we go through great joy and blessings. But Father, it's our job to just stay close to you, to communicate, to talk to you, to know that, that voice and to hear that voice. And Father, I pray that you would help us to draw closer to you. And Father, if there's any here that, Father, they don't spend time with you, that they would, they would just find at least five minutes a day. Father, and then in a few months, 10 minutes a day and 15 minutes a day. And Father, to read your word and to know you, the one who created us, the one who made us in a special way. You're an awesome God. Father, even your son, you said no to. Father, help us to understand that you want the best for us. And it's up for us to seek it. Father, to live it and to point all others to you. Father, we just thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Shake somebody's hand. If you don't know somebody around, introduce yourself to them. Get to know your family.